everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and we're here for the Georgia Tech Review podcast. Obviously, another disappointing loss for, for North Carolina this weekend as they, on homecoming in Chapel Hill, 12-15 kickoff, dropped a an entertaining but, but tough game to the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, 38-28, in which um, Georgia Tech played a, a good game. Georgia Tech came in and, and ran well against North Carolina, did what they expected, uh, everybody really expected them to do through the ground, also made some big plays through the air and, and did some really nice things. And North Carolina, while they played good in spurts, just wasn't able to get over that hump once again. And like I said, it's just another disappointing loss for the Tar Heels and Larry Fedora and his team. Carolina dropped to 1-7 and seven on the year and 1-5 and five in the ACC. So, not the season that North Carolina wanted to have so far, and unfortunately with this loss, regardless of if a 12th game is rescheduled for North Carolina at the end of the season, Carolina is unable to make a bowl game for the second season running. So a disappointing loss for North Carolina, to say the least. I was there, and one of the biggest takeaways for me was the fact that I was really happy to see that the the crowd was actually pretty decent for a 12-15 game. There was a lot of students there, obviously, as expected on, on homecoming, but you know, it, was, it was a decent crowd. It, I always thought it was a better crowd. I don't know how much the attendance was, the attendance numbers were, but you know, I think it was a better crowd than the Pittsburgh game from what I remember, and then that was Carolina's only victory of the season, and obviously the Tar Heels were in a different position then, but you know, Carolina, I thought for the most part, played pretty well, but once again, it was kind of the same things dooming the Tar Heels that, that we've seen for most of the season, so a disappointing loss for North Carolina, to say the least. But, you know, one thing you, you, you can say about this team is they continue to fight. They continue to come out every every game and, and really fight for a victory. They're not, they haven't given up on the coaching staff. They haven't given up on each other. And regardless of what you think about this team, you have to respect that from the outside looking in because with how the past couple of seasons have gone for this program, you could completely understand why some players would, would drop their head and kind of give up and not go out there and give 100%, but that's just simply not been the case with this football team. So credit to them, credit to the coaching staff for keeping these players together. But if Carolina could just find a way to finish games, could find a way to win, I think it, it would be a totally different podcast here and it would have been a totally different season for North Carolina. But it's just been the same thing over and over again. Carolina puts himself in, in good positions most of the time to win games and has opportunities to finish games. And, you know, quite frankly, they're just not getting it done. And I don't know if it's a curse or, or, or a belief that, you know, we're just not going to win and, and players just, you know, don't have that belief anymore that when it comes down to it, they're going to find a way to get it done. But regardless, uh, this team, like I've said, continues to fight and you got to give credit to the players and the coaching staff for that but let's turn our attention to the game itself like I said earlier Carolina dropped it 38 to 28 my prediction for the game was 34 to 24 so I guess I got the margin of victory and points correct with 10 but still didn't get the score line right but that's definitely been my best prediction of the season so far but running through the game I had to go back and watch the highlights again obviously you know you're in the thick of it you got so much emotions attached to it at the game, and you kind of forget what happens when, you know, a couple of days later, you're like, wait, what happened? And when did they score? How did they score? So real quickly, I'm going to just run through the game and and tell you guys about kind of the, the different things that Georgia Tech did well and the different things that Carolina did well at the same time. So 
you know, great start to the game for the Carolina defense. Malik Carney with that scoop and score on, on Georgia Tech's first drive, opening drive of the game, and really thought that was going to be a big momentum switch in terms of what this Carolina team was going to do today. And I thought they were going to really, or I was at least hoping that they were going to ride the momentum of that start and, and kind of take advantage of it, but simply wasn't the case. Obviously, a great start, Carolina got up 7 nothing through Carney. And then Georgia Tech on their next drive, next possession, just marches right down the field and scores and did that really consecutively. So kind of marched out to that 14-7 lead early. And, you know, Carney's scoop and score was a great start for Carolina, but was kind of nullified by the fact that Georgia Tech on the next couple of possessions was just able to do whatever they wanted to against this Carolina defense. So that's kind of been one of the big themes for North Carolina on the defensive side of the ball this season has they played well at times and they've had some good games. But at the same time, they've, they've let up a lot of points and they haven't really been able to to stop teams regardless of what the scoreline has been. And then a couple possessions later, you know, Georgia Tech does the improbable and scores off an 86-yard pass. A uh, guy was wide open, caught the ball and ran untouched into the end zone. And obviously this Carolina defense wasn't expecting a pass, so got to give credit to Paul Johnson for calling that play. And, you know, Tobias Oliver executed it to perfection, the backup quarterback for Georgia Tech, who came in for Taquan Marshall, who started the game. And I guess I, I was surprised to see that Taquan Marshall even started because I thought Tobias Oliver and what he did against Virginia Tech was absolutely incredible. So Tobias Oliver came in for them, threw that 86-yard pass. It wasn't his first drive of the game, but, you know, great pass by him. And that was their first completed pass since the Duke game earlier uh, last month. So Scored, made it 21-7, to and then, you know, UNC defense made some good stops. Ended up forcing three turnovers in the game, uh, three fumbles by this Georgia Tech offense, which you come to expect from them. It's a team that, since they run it so much, they're going to turn the ball over nine times out of ten, more likely than not. So, you know, UNC defense have to get credit for them for forcing three turnovers against the Georgia Tech team, and if you would have told me that this Carolina defense would have forced three turnovers before the game, I probably would have thought that this team was going to come out on top, but obviously... Didn't happen that way. And then Nathan Elliott, you know, kind of sent to the bench. The Carolina offense really struggled to get anything going, especially in the first half. And then Jace Reuter came in, the true freshman out of Kansas, and really just made an instant impact. Led Carolina straight down the field. Uh, Carolina got in the red zone. And then another questionable, I mean, sorry to say it, but just a horrible play call by Larry Fedora and, and Chris Kapilovic on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Jace Reuter did such a good job of getting him down there. The run game was dominating uh, Georgia Tech on that drive. And then Carolina goes in the Wildcat for the first time and tries to do a little end-around fake um, kind of read option play with Anthony Ratliff-Williams and Daz Newsom. And Georgia Tech just reads it. I mean, my biggest thing is in that situation, work with what's going and what's going in your favor. And, and don't switch it up like that because if you put Anthony Ratliff-Williams back there, I mean, the defense is going to key in on that and say, well, Carolina's either going to run the ball with him or they're going to give it to Daz Newsom on the end-around. So easy to defend from a Georgia Tech perspective. So I thought that was play, poor play calling. Carolina forced to, to settle for the field goal. And then Jace Root on the next drive leads Carolina straight down the field, uh, throws a bullet pass to Carl Tucker. Earlier in that drive, threw a great deep ball to Anthony Ratliff-Williams, who made some huge plays in this game for North Carolina. It was his best game of the season, in my opinion. And Jace Ruder really did some nice things, made it 28-17 for this North Carolina, for this North Carolina team. And at that point, you kind of thought that Carolina was going to find a way to win. But Jace Ruder on one play earlier in that drive before Carl Tucker scored, I think it was about at the, I think Georgia Tech's own 40-yard line or so, 45-yard line. You know, he was doing great things with his feet, but 
One criticism I have for Jace Reuter is I know he was excited trying to make plays as a true freshman, but you got to go down. Jace Reuter collided with the Georgia Tech defender, kind of a shoulder-to-shoulder play. You could tell he was a little shaken up on that play, and so, so was the Georgia Tech defender as well. I thought he ended up getting the worst of it. But Jace Reuter, on that play, in, in on hindsight, um, I think that's when he got injured. If you go on at Carolina Talk Pod, I tweeted about it yesterday. Um, at, like I said, at Carolina Talk Pod on Twitter. You can go check out that highlight that uh, someone else on Twitter posted, but I ended up retweeting it and putting a little comment on it. And uh, you can go see that play, and I believe that's when Jace Reuter got hurt. But the crazy part about it was is he led this offense down the field with what looked like, I'm not sure what his injury was. I think it was a shoulder injury because after this drive, after the pass to Carl Tucker, I remember sitting in the stands and Jace Reuter just was walking to the locker room with, with two trainers. And I'd say about 15 minutes later, he came back out in a sling and his street clothes on his left arms, his non-throwing arm. So I've heard rumors that he might have broke his collarbone. I hold ru- heard rumors that it might just be a dislocated shoulder and that he could be back this season. But I know Jace Reuter tweeted after the game that he'll you know be back stronger and better than ever. So to me, when I see a tweet like that, I would assume that he's probably not going to return to action this season. And the fact that Carolina has put in the likes of Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter, and they both played, you know, about a quarter of action. I think Fortin ended up playing a little bit, a little bit more, and Jace Reuter really only played two drives. And they both got injured in games in which they were playing great for North Carolina. And haven't we haven't seen Cade Fortin since he was at the game in street clothes with his jersey on? There are rumors that he may be back before the end of the season. With now with Jace Reuter out, can kind of hope that Fortin could come back and maybe get another shot to lead this offense. But I thought Jace Reuter did some really nice things for North Carolina. He's the biggest quarterback on the team as a true freshman. He really is build. reminds me of Trubisky. He's a big kid. He, he The way he can run with his feet is very Trubisky-esque. Might even be a little bit better of a runner than Trubisky um, right now. But the fact that Jace Reuter went out of that game hurt just as Cade Fortin did against Virginia Tech is there seems to be a curse over this Carolina football team, when it, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And, you know, Chad Surratt obviously out for the season with the injury as well in his first game. So, that's three quarterbacks for North Carolina that have gotten injured, and Nathan Elliott's really the only guy right now that can lead this team. And after Ruder went out injured, Nathan Elliott came back in and, and did some nice things for the for a couple of drives, ended up tying the game up. Obviously, Michael Carter had that huge run down to the goal line. I thought he ended up getting the end zone. Referees didn't see it that way, but didn't matter. Antonio Williams came in about on the one-yard line and, and dived over defenders to make it 28-26, to 26, and then Nathan Elliott threw a, a nice little fade to the corner uh, left end zone for Anthony Ratliff-Williams, who made a spectacular catch. Ended up being pass interference on the Georgia Tech defender as well. So just kind of capitalized on how good of a game he was having. And Carolina ended up tying this game up, coming back from a 28-10 to deficit to tie this game up at 28-28. to So give credit to this team and this offense for finding ways and continuing to fight. Carolina ties this game up. Georgia Tech comes down. Nathan Elliott on one possession, threw an interception, set up Georgia Tech. They go down the field like you would expect. You know, they're already in Carolina territory with that interception and stretch their lead out to 35-28 late in the fourth quarter. And then, uh, I believe it was on the first play of the next possession after that, Nathan Elliott tried to throw a little sweep across the middle to Daz Newsom and, and uh, Georgia Tech, I believe it was a defensive end, ended up reading that extremely well and picking it off and you know, two Nathan Elliott interceptions late in that game kind of doomed the Tar Heels because they had all the momentum, but Nathan Elliott really just made two poor decisions, probably trying to force it, probably trying to make plays, especially the fact that he'd been benched and even was booed by Carolina fans. I don't think he was necessarily booed in that game. He came in after 
Jay Schroeder had led Carolina down the field and threw that Carl Tucker pass uh, for the touchdown. And, you know, he was booed when he came back in, but I don't, I think I'd say 90% of the stadium had no idea that Jay Schroeder was in the locker room with an injury. And it wasn't that, that Fedora and the office of staff was just putting Elliott back out there for the heck of it. So don't really like the fact that Nathan Elliott is booed, but at the same time, I think they were booing the coaching staff more for putting him back in, but little did, did anybody really know that, uh, Nathan Elliott was the only option with Jace Ruder out. So I think those boos were kind of insignificant in the long run. It didn't really mean much. But Nathan Elliott comes in and just, you know, just didn't do enough to make help Carolina win. And, you know, he took full responsibility after the game. And I think that's a little bit unfair. I think he definitely aided to it. But at the same time, this Carolina defense let up 38 points. And, I mean, against Georgia Tech, they scored. Give credit to, to the Carolina defense. Like I said, they forced three turnovers. Georgia Tech ended up getting that field goal late to stretch it stretched their lead out to 38-28 after that Nathan Elliott pick, and it was kind of game-set match from Chapel Hill. But uh, like I said earlier, give credit to this team for continuing to fight. Uh, they don't give up. They they do, they do haven't given up on the coaching staff. They haven't given up on, on each other, and got to give huge credit to them for that. But obviously Carolina dropping another disappointing victory in which they had a, many opportunities to win late in that game, and if it wasn't for those two interceptions, you know, the game could be completely different. But Carolina... Wasn't able to get it done, uh, losing 38-28 to to Paul Johnson's rambling wreck and dropping what is their second consecutive loss to the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So let's look at the stat line real quick for North Carolina. Um, Nathan Elliott, 14 for 26, 128 yards, about five yard, yards per pass, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, QB rating of 13, which is really bad to say the least. Um, you know, he's that was probably Nathan Elliott's worst game since the California game, and I think we kind of saw it once again that you know why Nathan Elliott's been consistent for the most part this year and has done some good things. He just hasn't done enough for this team to win, and we saw that again uh, against Georgia Tech this past weekend. Who you know, I hate to say it, but their defense is not very good. So poor showing for Nathan Elliott, and obviously he agreed with some of his comments after the game, which. I mean, it'd be kind of a no-brainer that he didn't play a very good game, so I wasn't surprised to see that. But got to give credit to Elliott for taking responsibility for that loss. Uh, Jace Reuter, four uh, passes, five completions, so decent for him. Would like to have seen a lot more of him. Unfortunately, he's out with an injury, 80 yards, about 16 yards per pass, and one touchdown. So Elliott and Reuter combined to 18 for 31, 208 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Uh, Rushing-wise for North Carolina, wasn't – it wasn't a horrible day, but wasn't a great day. It wasn't a, a great day either by any means for, especially for Michael Carter and Antonio Williams. Um, Carolina had 36 carries for 166 yards and one touchdown. Uh, but if you look at Michael Carter and Antonio Williams stat line, Carter was 10 for 68 leading rusher for North Carolina. So not bad 6.8 yards per carry, which is pretty decent, but um, nobody with over a hundred yards and Antonio Williams with 13 carries for 33 yards and, and one touchdown. Jordan Brown had a decent day as well. Six carries for 34 yards. And then Jace Reuter ended up having three carries for 21 yards and unfortunately ended up getting injured on his biggest run of the game, which I believe was about a 13-yard run, if I'm not mistaken. So good game rushing-wise. I mean, over 160 yards is, is decent, but nobody really had a stellar day with Michael Carter, the leading rusher, with only 68 yards on 10 carries. Uh, Receiving-wise for North Carolina, like I said earlier, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, I thought he had... His best game, if not one of his best games, he ended up getting my offensive player of the game for North Carolina in this one. Uh, Team-wise, 18 receptions for 208 yards, about 12 yards per catch, one touchdown, 
and the longest catch being 44 yards, which was that Antonio, or excuse me, Anthony Ratliff Williams catch from Jace Reuter, I believe, or it could have been Nathan Elias. I can't remember which one went longer. They were very similar passes uh, down the sidelines on Carolina's side that Anthony Ratliff Williams went up and made great catches on. So not a bad day receiving wise. Anthony Ratliff Williams, four catches for 103 yards, about 26 yards per catch. So that's pretty darn good when you think about it. Bo Corrales, the second leading receiver for North Carolina, two receptions for 29 yards. And was disappointed that Daz Newsom really had a quiet day, only three receptions for 17 yards, and his longest was 12. So his other two catches were only for five yards combined. So it wasn't a great day for Daz Newsom by any means, but was glad to see that Anthony Ratliff-Williams had a good day. And if we can continue to get him involved on the offensive side of the ball, uh, would like to see more than four receptions from him, but 103 yards, you'll take that all day. On the defensive side of the ball, Malik Carney, J.K. Britt, and Zach Gill all uh, recovered fumbles for North Carolina. Malik Carney obviously had that great scoop and score uh, when he stripped the Georgia Tech, believe, I think it was a running back. Don't remember his name off the top of my head on that first drive of the game that he ended up running in for a touchdown where he just ripped that ball out of his hands uh, like a man amongst boys. Defensive player of the game for me, though, easy decision. Cole Holcomb had a monster day. The senior walk-on linebacker for North Carolina. Former walk-on, excuse me. 22 total tackles, 12 of those are solo. And I saw a stat that he actually forced three fumbles for North Carolina as well. One of them was recovered by Georgia Tech, but I believe the other two ended up being recovered by uh, the Tar Heels. So a stellar, stellar day from Cole Holcomb. Alan Artis came in and played well. Uh, the, I believe he's a senior for North Carolina, a senior linebacker who kind of had to step in. Hasn't seen a lot of action this year. Uh, 14 total tackles, six solo. Good game by him. And then Malik Carney was a beast as usual. Uh, 10 total tackles, three solo. Surprised that he didn't have any sacks. I really thought that he ended up having some sacks, but you know Georgia Tech doesn't throw a lot, so it's hard to get sacks against them. But um, great game by Malik Carney as well. He's such a good player, and he will definitely be playing on Sunday's next senior or excuse me, next season as he is a senior for North Carolina. So great game by Malik Carney. Was happy to see him back in the fold for North Carolina. But unfortunately, if you look at the team stats for both North Carolina and Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech with 27 first downs, North Carolina with, with 19, so they won that battle. Total yards, Georgia Tech really dominated on the offensive side of the ball, 565 total yards for the Yellow Jackets. Versus Carolina's 374. So not a horrible day for the Tar Heels. But when you get out gained by almost 200 yards, you're probably going to end up losing that game. So no surprise there on the stat line. Um, Passing-wise, Georgia Tech with 104 yards. Obviously, 86 of those came on one pass. And then North Carolina ended up with 208. So not a great game through the air for North Carolina. Uh, rushing yards-wise, Georgia Tech, like I said, they love to run the ball. Completely dominated on the rushing side. 461 yards for Georgia Tech on the ground. And they had 74 rushing attempts. So, obviously, you can kind of see how much they like to run the ball. That's what they do, and they succeeded at it. About 6.2 yards per rush. So, if you get 6 yards per carry for 461 yards, you're going to score a lot of points. And that's why they ended up with 38. Uh, North Carolina on the rushing side, like I said earlier, 166 rushing yards. Uh, on 36 attempts, about five yards per carry. So not a horrible day on the ground, but when you get outrushed by almost 300 yards, like I said, you're probably going to lose the game. Turnovers-wise, North Carolina with three turnovers, obviously all interceptions, and uh, Georgia Tech with three fumbles as well. So 
turnover battle ended up being in a tie. And then North Carolina with 23 minutes or close to 24 minutes of total possession with 23 minutes and 48 seconds. While Georgia Tech, uh, 13 more minutes for them, 36 minutes and 12 seconds for the Yellow Jackets. So, I mean, stats-wise, Georgia Tech dominated North Carolina, which is you kind of expect with how good their offense is. But if you're getting outgained by 200 yards, you're going to lose to Georgia Tech most of the time. So, total stat-wise, good game, or shouldn't say good game for North Carolina, an okay game for North Carolina, and, and a great day for Georgia Tech on the stat sheet. Tobias Oliver, Georgia Tech backup quarterback who came in and played a majority of the snaps for, for uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, Passing-wise, two for two, 104 yards, one touchdown, so a decent stat line for him. Uh, Tobias Oliver also led the team in rushing with 28 carries for 120 yards, so over 100 yards both in passing and rushing for the Georgia Tech quarterback. Uh, Nathan Cottrell also had a good game for North, or excuse me, for Georgia Tech. Nine carries, 90 yards, one touchdown. Uh, so good game for him. Uh, Receiving-wise, Georgia Tech, Quay Searcy, one reception, 86 yards. Obviously had that big touchdown for them. Um, so only caught one pass, but that's pretty good. You know, one for one, 86 yards and a touchdown. Good game for Searcy, to say the least. Um, Georgia Tech put, played a good game. Um, didn't play a great game by any means, but when they rush for over 500, or excuse me, when they have over 560 yards of total offense, they're, they're going to find great success and are going to put up a lot of points most of the time. Even with three fumbles, it didn't matter. They still put up 38 points. And a lot of some of those, I'd say 10 of those points came off of not directly off of turnovers, but, you know, putting Georgia Tech in great positions in North Carolina territory to put up points. They ended up putting 10 points off of those two late interceptions from Nathan Elliott. So I thought this team, Georgia Tech came in and did what you would expect them to do. And North Carolina just didn't quite do enough to win the game. And unfortunately, dropped to 1-7 and seven and 1-5 and five on the year. And Georgia Tech improved to 5-4 and 3-3 and three and three in the Coastal Division. So, was a good game to watch, I would say. It was an entertaining game to watch. It was more entertaining than I thought it would be because I, I quite frankly hate watching Georgia Tech and the way they play on the offensive side of the ball. But it was a good game to watch. It was a, it was a fun one to be in in Chapel Hill. Beautiful day for football. Decent crowd for the Tar Heels, and I wish Jay Schroeder could have stayed in the game. I think this offense seems to have had a seems to have showcased a lot more life with the likes of Fortin and Jay Schroeder in there. It seems like they just kind of get a, a a pep in their step when they when they have when they've had those two guys in for the limited amount of snaps they've seen this season. And um, got to give credit to Nathan Elliott as well. Obviously, didn't have a, a good game by any means, and I don't think he's the guy to lead this program forward. But, you know, the fact that he was booed wrongly, and obviously we've talked about that, was a little bit of confusion in why he was booed. And I think that was, um, I ended up not really being justified based on what happened to Reuter. Just most fans didn't know that he was injured at the time. But uh, Nathan Elliott thought, just didn't do enough. It doesn't seem like this offense has a lot of belief with him in there. And, you know, would be shocked to see him playing really at all next season, especially with the fact that Reuter and, and Fortin will be battling it out, and then maybe even Kelly Bryant will be here, the Clemson graduate transfer. So you will see Nathan Elliott in the rest of the season, more than likely. He will be your starter going forward, and Manny Miles will be your backup, according to Coach Fedora. So your fishing quarterback is now your backup. Unbelievable for North Carolina, and the injury bug has certainly affected the Tar Heels once again this season with over, I believe, 19 injuries on the year and you know a handful of those guys being out for the season. So... 
Don't know why Carolina's been affected by the injury bug, but one thing I do know is when it happens two consecutive seasons excuse me, in a row, that's not bad luck. There's something going on behind the scenes, strength and conditioning-wise, game prep-wise, meal prep-wise. I don't know what it is. It's something going on in, in the strength and conditioning program that is allowing these players to get injured as much as they do, and um, something needs to be addressed because, like I said, when it happens two years in a row, that is not down to bad luck. That is down to some kind of coaching, some kind of preparation that this team is is lacking or is doing too much of. So got to figure that out. And yeah, it's just a disappointing game for North Carolina again, especially with all the injuries Carolina has. And got to give credit to this team with all the adversity they faced over the past couple of seasons. The fact that they continue to fight is a credit to them and a credit to this coaching staff for keeping them together. But when it comes down to it in sports, you got to win games, especially at this level when Carolina has not been able to do that in two seasons. Um, so North Carolina dropping a tough homecoming contest to Georgia Tech, 38-28. to And now have to go on the road to Durham this weekend to take on the Blue Devils. Another noonish kickoff. I'll have a preview for that coming up in the next few days. And also, hopefully going to get a basketball preview. And I guess not necessarily a preview with the basketball team starting uh, their season tomorrow at Wofford. Uh, Tuesday night, going to be a, really excited to see the basketball team back in action, but I'm going to have a little basketball preview, basketball talk, kind of looking at the season and what we can't expect uh, sometime this week, hopefully. So stay tuned for that. Should be about two more podcasts coming out this week. But real quick, I want to give a shout out to some other fall programs from North Carolina. The field hockey team won their 21st ACC championship yesterday, defeated Wake Forest. Just a great program over there. The coach Shelton has built. Uh, shout out to them and, and continued success. I hope that their success continues for years and years to come because, you know, with the new stadium they got over there and the players and the coaches they have, I mean, the field hockey program is is just amazing and they continue to be so successful. And, and hopefully it's time for them to go get a national championship and can, you know, maybe have an undefeated season. They've been undefeated so far and have just done a great job this season. Uh, shout out to the men's soccer team as well. Uh, opened. Their ACC tournament account on senior day yesterday in Chapel Hill defeated Virginia Tech 3 nothing, And I think this team has a great opportunity to not only win the ACC tournament, but uh, make a deep run in the, in the NCAA tournament. You never know what will happen, uh, especially when it comes to the NCAA tournament and when it comes down to elimination games in soccer. Uh, I think this team, like I said, has a great chance to do some great things this season, especially with how good their defense has been. And also want to want to give a shout out to the uh, North Carolina women's team. We're playing in the ACC tournament championship yesterday in Cary. Got behind two nothing at halftime. Was able to claw their way back and tie Florida State at two to two. And unfortunately, Florida State scored in the final minutes and ended up winning the ACC championship three to two. But big credit to Anson Dorrance and his team. I think the women's team has had a great season so far. Obviously, won the ACC regular season championship, and we're really quite unlucky not to win the uh, ACC tournament yesterday, but we'll have a great shot in the NCAA tournament coming up to do some good things. And um, looking forward to watching Anson Dorrance and his girls make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, when you think about it in the field hockey team, the men's soccer team and the women's soccer team, you've got three programs there that have a legitimate shot at winning a national championship. So Carolina could go three for three on that. It would be a spectacular year for fall sports programs, uh, unfortunately, barring the football team. So shout out to all of them. Um, hoping for continued success and hoping for big things over the next month or so for those three programs. But that's going to do it for me, guys. 
like I said, basketball season kicking off tomorrow against Wofford. Going to be a tough game. I was unfortunately at the Wofford game last season in which Carolina lost. And Wofford's a good team. I can't remember the three-point shooter's name who, who lit us up last season, but he's back this year. So it's going to be a tough game. I know some you know, Wofford fans and, and Wofford staff have been saying this is the biggest game in, in Wofford basketball history. I mean, as you would expect playing you know, the Tar Heels down in Spartanburg uh, on the opening game of the season. So looking forward to watching the Tar Heels back in action, and I'm expecting big things from the basketball program this year. Their mix of, of young underclassmen talent and, and upperclassmen that are not only great players, great leaders, is making me really excited for this season because everybody knows with Roy Williams at the helm, uh, this team has the opportunity to be great this year, and I think there'll be a team in come March that nobody will want to play against. So good luck to the basketball team tomorrow, and hopefully next time I do a review podcast, we'll be talking about North Carolina bringing the victory bell back home to Chapel Hill when they beat Duke this weekend, fingers crossed. But it's going to do it for me. Expect two more podcasts this week. And always, guys, thank you, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go follow us on Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod. We're building a really good following and good family over there. And I appreciate everybody that interacts and likes and retweets and comments on the the stuff I put out. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you later this week. And go Heels. Talk, 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 talk,